Welcome to From the Sidelines, an unfiltered look inside the sports industry, a production of the Hart School of Hospitality, Sport, and Recreation Management at James Madison University. I'm Ashley Doyle, an alumni of the Hart School. And I'm Dr. Joshua Pate, a professor in sport and recreation management at the Hart School. This podcast is presented by the Hart School Alumni Network. The purpose of the Hart School Alumni Network is to develop lifelong heartfelt connections and professional growth opportunities between students, faculty, alumni, and their communities. To learn more about how to get involved, please visit our link in our bio. Here is this month's episode. We have Colleen Storm today with us, graduated from JMU with a bachelor's in science and sports management in 2000. Um, she went on to Alabama to get her master's in arts and sports administration in 2002. Um, welcome to From the Sidelines. We really appreciate you being here today. Um, if you could just start by like going into like your journey and how you ended up being, you know, where you are now at University of Maryland. Deputy Athletic Director, um, that'd be great. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Ashley. I really appreciate it, excited to be here. Um, my journey, wow, uh, <laughs> like it all started back. Um, no, seriously, you know, um, when I tell my story, it really did start with JMU for me. Um, I knew I wanted to be in sport, but I wasn't really sure how to go about it. Um, so I, you know, majored in kinesiology and, you know, thought I wanted to be an athletic trainer um, I took, I took anatomy and I was like, nope, that's it. I'm done with that. Um, I thought I maybe wanted to do stats and calm. And I did a practicum with Kurt Dudley, who I'm still close with. And I was like, nope, not it. That's not it. Um, and really just kind of started working um, in different areas. I got involved with the rec center um, pretty early on. And really that was my connection to sport um, in the beginning. And so from there, I knew that I wanted to do administration. I, you know, I was like, maybe I want to be in the NFL. Maybe I want to be an agent. You know, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I just basically got involved. So um, started at the rec center. I really started as a, you know, official, moved up to be a sports supervisor and an intramural supervisor, and then moved up um, to be a facility supervisor and got involved in an organization there called NURSA. And they had opportunities um, to place us in, in graduate schools. You get to go to a conference and you get to apply for some graduate schools and to work at some graduate schools and um, got an opportunity to go down to Alabama. I wanted to go to a big athletic school. Um, I wanted to see, you know, big football and, you know, what it was like at a different school. So went there sight unseen, kind of um, rocked my world a little bit, um, but ended up being two of the greatest years ever um, and uh, was pretty involved with, ran their intramurals programs there for two years. Um, and then really got my first job in recreation. Um, up at UMass Lowell was my first job. And I was, um, we opened a brand new facility. So I was the facility um, supervisor and oversaw all intramurals at UMass Lowell. And on my, on my interview there, I got to meet with the AD. Um, intramurals was under um, athletics there. And he asked what I wanted to do. And, um, and I told him that I thought I wanted to be an athletic director. Um, and I'll never forget it because he was like, well, you're in recreation. And I was like, yeah, that's just kind of how it worked out. That, that was my path. Um, and he said, okay, well, if that's something that you're looking at, you know, just get involved, um, see what you can do here. So um, I worked my job. I obviously did intramurals, um, you know, opened our brand new facility, but got to know some people with the basketball team. I, you know, worked basketball practice. I ended up working the clock at men's and women's basketball games. Um, I worked concession stands um, for the athletic department. And two years later, um, the associate AD for business left 
And the athletic director called me and he said, do you want to move over to athletics? Um, you know, we'll start you at the entry level, you know, you can move over in facilities and start an entry level in the business office. So, you know, for me, my story, what I tell everybody, my story started with working really hard and, and people and relationships. Um, that's, you're going to see it throughout my path. Um, that's kind of what I preach is I believe if you work hard, you're going to end up on your feet, whether it's at the school you're at or whether it's at a different institution. So, um, you know, I, I that AD, um, he just retired. I actually went up there for retirement. It's really, really close with, you know, between I always say Bob Golson at the rec center and then my first AD at, at um, UMass <laughs> Lowell. You know, those are two of the places that, you know, really kind of, I feel like he gave me my entry into athletics. So from there, um, worked my way up at UMass Lowell and was looking to actually get back home closer to Virginia and um, ended up moving down to Florida. Um, and I was, um, at UMass Lowell was a D2, D1 school, D1 hockey, but D2 everything else. And I wanted to get to the D1 level. I was at that point. Now I'd been in athletics for about six years. So I went down, um, Florida Gulf Coast University was a new school. They were only, I think, about 10 years old. And so they had just gone from D2 to D1. Um, so got an opportunity there, got hired as an assistant AD for business operations there. Same thing, got really involved, did other things, um, got promoted there, um, and was there four years, had a really great, great experience there. And then um, got an opportunity to come back home, close to home, um, at Towson University. Um, so moved to Towson, was the associate AD for business at Towson, um, pretty quickly got promoted there. Uh, to senior associate AD, um, oversaw business, um, internal operations, uh, sports medicine, and facilities there, and got to know some people in the Maryland system. In the system of Maryland, you have lots of reports, you have lots of meetings, um, got to know some people. And when a position opened up at Maryland, they gave me a call. It was their associate AD for business. They called me about that. And I actually wasn't really ever, I never really wanted to work at a Power 5 institution. So I thought, I was pretty set on, I'm a mid-major girl, you know, I'm from JMU, <laughs> I saw what it was like at Alabama, but that's not really what I want to do. Um, talked to a couple of my mentors and they're like, okay, hey, you have an opportunity to stay in Maryland, stay close to your family and, and take this opportunity. So, um, so moved over here. That was um, the first year of the transition to the Big Ten. So talk about, you know, rocking your world. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Luckily, I'd been in the system of Maryland, so I at least knew how Maryland, the system worked. But um, so, you know, did that for two years, um, um, was promoted to senior associate AD for internal operations, so oversaw um, business facilities, IT, and HR here. Um, and then when our CFO, um, Damon Evans, when he took the job as the AD about three years ago, um, I applied for the job and um, got moved into the deputy AD role. So been deputy for about three years. I feel like I've been it for about five minutes, three years of complete chaos. We've got a lot going on with COVID. So I feel like I'm just now rolling into the deputy AD position. So, you know, my kind of story is, I feel like a little random in how I ended up getting into athletics, but, you know, what I preach to everybody is really about that relationship and kind of the hard work. You know, I feel like you can kind of get anywhere, um, you know, and it, it's, you know, may not be the place you want to be or the school you want to be at, um, but it, it, it worked out for me here. It's, it's so unique to jump from recreation to sport, uh, and but you found the really easy bridge uh, or the one bridge that exists, and that's facilities um, that sort of led you to there. So that's Yeah, awesome. yeah. And, and I really think, um, I think it was facilities, and I think it was my relationship with the athletic director. Um, I got to build a relationship with him and he saw my work ethic and he saw what I could do. And so 
I didn't have a solid business background at that point. I had the degree, but I hadn't done anything in business. So I learned everything in business in that first job. Um, but I knew facilities, you know, I knew facilities. And so, um, you know, for me, that, that was, you're exactly right. I think that it, it is a really good transition. Facilities anywhere is facilities. You know, you're running at an event, you know, whether it's intramurals, it's, it's, it's the same thing. So yeah, you are, you are correct. No, I think it shows too that you don't have to start, you don't have to have like a direction because I've learned and so just with talking with students and being around and very involved with just JMU, I saw like a lot of the undergrads are like, oh, I want to do this. And it's like, it's okay. Like you don't have to have it all figured out, but like go and be involved with whatever you want and then you can like figure it out later. So like yes. I think you're... <laughs> Your, but your journey like speaks to that like they don't need to know like go try it see and then yeah. like it's easy if, to transition and I've always said it's easy to transition if, if you would have told me I'd ever have worked in intramurals and then went from there to athletics and that I would be the deputy at Maryland I would have been like no way there's but it is funny I thought I was going to work for the wizards I thought that I was going to be an athletic train I mean all I it's funny when because a lot of people here a lot of our student athletes I'm like do you know what you want to do and they're like not really and I was like you don't have to like it's okay get your degree the degree is important mm -hmm. and get it in something that is going to help you um but for me i mean a lot of it is is you know skills and you learn on the job um obviously business is a little bit different you have to have a little bit of background but yeah it is um it is kind of funny a little random Well, you kind of touched on it uh, with like the transition from conferences and that was like your first year at Maryland. Um, I mean, Kate, we're kind of talking about this. Kate can jump into, but of just like the negotiation piece of all of that and like what you do on a day-to-day -day basis because like negotiations are a huge thing um, in a role you have, but also just in sports in general once you get higher up. Yeah. So I wasn't here for the negotiations for that. Um, which probably is better. <laughs> I can <laughs> pass person and be like, well, I'm just stuck with it now. They always say, blame, you know, when I leave, they're going to blame me. They're going to be like, well, Colleen, yep. like this. It's, there's no doubt about it. Um, in some instances, it was probably better. This one was really challenging because we didn't have any documents. Um, the Big Ten holds all of our documents so that um, you can't see it, so that the public can't get a public records request from University of Maryland and see all the documents. So for me coming in, everything was, oh, well, they said this, or they told you this, or here's what we think, and here's a spreadsheet that we have, and here's, so that was probably the most challenging piece for me. Um, uh, you know, I got to be really close with the CFO at the Big Ten very quickly. I think for me, again, you know, I'm not afraid to ask questions. I'm not afraid to do some of those things that, you know, I don't have an ego. You know, it's, it's who, who can help me do my job better? So for me, it was about getting um, my feet wet in that. And then really, as far as negotiations, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, it's funny, I, we, I was just talking with my AD about this, is that probably I've gotten more experience in the past six years in this job than any other job. Um, you know, I've renegotiated a multimedia rights contract for, you know, $75 million multimedia rights contract. Um, you know, we re, we're looking at our Under Armour and our Pepsi contract. Um, I deal with all of our contracts with agents, with our football contract, with our basketball contract. Um, those are the challenging things, you know. Those are the things that become a little bit, you know, when a coach is looking for a raise or a coach might be looking for another job and you're dealing with an agent or you're dealing with a coach. Those are some of those things that um, over the past six years, I think my experience and it's challenging. You know, I think um, you got to, you know, take what you've learned, but some of it is really just kind of being savvy, being quick on your feet, um, 
And, you know, obviously we'll talk a little bit more about being a woman in that role too. So adds a whole nother dynamic, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that um, contract negotiation for anybody, but especially in athletics, I feel like I have a little bit of an edge um, being a deputy AD. A lot of deputy ADs are fundraisers. And um, so I, I feel like I have a, a little bit of an edge, you know, because I'm, my hands are in everything being the CFO. Um, I feel like I, my hands so, are in So Colleen, when you walk in the room and the coach is trying to negotiate something, they just shake their head and they, they know it's over, right? <laughs> no, what happens is if they don't like uh, it, they say, oh, I'm going to have my agent call you. Because coaches don't want to have a difficult conversation with you. That's why they hire the agent. So if you're dealing with a coach, you're most of the time, they know that, you know, here's where we are. This is what it's going to be. When a coach says, I'm going to have you talk to my agent. That's when you're like, oh, crap. There, here we go. Here we go. Well, one of the things that I'm fascinated by is that um, there are not a lot of courses uh, in, in sport and recreation management programs that really address negotiation at this level. We may introduce it, um, and we're trying to do that even with our own curriculum uh, in different spaces. But um, that's really one of those things that you mentioned. You learn when you're in the job, and that's where you gain your experiences. What would you? What advice would you share with current students or those uh, people who are looking to, you know, young professionals looking to advance, especially in this area? How do you get involved in those types of discussions or those meetings? How do you approach your supervisor and say, "Hey, I would like to be a part of this"? Um, I have been lucky enough. I um, when I got into this role here, um, my boss, who's now the AD, he was the CFO. And he had been an AD in another school. And so he had been there, done that. He was looking to help me in any way that I could. So for two years, I sat in his office when he was negotiating with coaches. And I just sat there quietly. They didn't know I was in the room, but he was like, no, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear how it happens. I want you to hear how it goes. And that really helped me. Um, I think the 14 years before that, um, kind of in the business helped me because in this seat, when you're negotiating contracts, whether it's coaches contracts or anything else, you know, you've already gotten to the point where you're used to kind of being the bad guy or you're used to being the no person. And, you know, as the money person, you know, I'm the person that has to tell people bad news a lot of times. So that the challenging thing with contract is you're having a hard conversation. It's not all peaches. And I mean, if you're lucky, the first contract is great. Then after that, you're kind of, it becomes a little bit of push and pull. So um, for me, I think it's really important. If your supervisor isn't allowing you for those experiences, I, I think you need to ask the question. And, and I think that a supervisor, any good supervisor worth their weight is gonna is gonna appreciate that and say, absolutely, come on, sit, sit in this, you know. And I think even myself, my boss taught me to do that to the next person. I probably involved them in the contract talks. Hey, let's sit down, let's talk about the contract. But I didn't have them sitting here when I was, and then I was like, oh, wait, I need to do that too, you know? So I do think that, if the supervisor isn't giving you that opportunity, I think you need to ask. And I think that asking um, actually will go a long way. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that I think shadowing or just sitting in on a meeting is something that's so underused and uh, under pursued by students uh, in this realm. And so, but, but most people working in this industry do want to share what their experiences are, or they do want to coach someone else along and mentor them along yep. the same way. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, what happens is you get so busy that you only think about sometimes doing your job. And I really think um, probably over the past four years, it's really become one of my things that I've really focused on. I'm like, okay, my boss really helped me. And 
you know, there were people who didn't help me. And then there were people who really did help me. And then it's like, okay, how can I be that for the next person, especially for women? I start with women, but men too. Um, you know, my associate AD for business, I'm grab him in any conversation that I can, you know, um, because I think it's important because somebody did that for me too. I also can speak to that. And just like, every time I reach out to someone who was in the industry, because like, I come from, we keep touching on it. So I'm just gonna go straight into it. I come from all of my mentors were males. And everyone was like, Oh, why don't you have a female? And I was like, Oh, I've never really had a female, like mentor. So like, my mentors had females that were in the industry. So I just reached out to them and was like, let me see, let me pick their brain. Let me do this. They, they were always like, yes, I'm busy, but like anyone who wants to get in the industry or want to pick my brain about it, I'm there. Again, we talked about it in the last episode with Ryan. Like he was like, I just sent an email. He, how he got on the podcast, he just linked up with me on LinkedIn and was like, hey, saw you're doing this, let's connect. I'm like, great, let's do it. And so like that's, it's so simple to just send that because like, I think it's a, such a small industry and we're all connected, but we also all want to help like the future, like grow and be better too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think, I think we're all afraid that they're so busy. I don't want to bother them. And you know what? There are plenty, probably you hit me in a busy week, you know, we're getting, we're planning for a bowl next week. I'm going to be traveling. And if somebody emailed me next week, maybe I wouldn't email them back. Maybe I would leave that in my emails, but you know, someone emailed me a couple of weeks ago from a high school and she's a high school AD and she emailed me and I emailed her back and we had a zoom meeting. She's like, I just can't believe that you did this. And I was like, no, like, this is what we as women need to be doing for each other. And, and it doesn't happen all the time, but I do think sometimes the problem is we just don't ask, you know, we, we don't, I will say for me, um, I'm the same way, Ashley. I had only male bosses, only male mentors. And I, there's so many people in the industry of, that I've met over the past two or three years that they're like, how do I not know you? How have I not met you? And I'm like, well, nobody introduced me. I didn't, was afraid that, you know, so it's the same thing. It's it, even when you grow up and you get into positions, you're still doing the same thing. You're like, I don't want to bother her. She's an AD. She's a sitting AD. She's busy. And they're like, no, please bother me. Please bother me. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that because like me and Pate were joking. I was like, Colleen's like a hidden gem within JMU. Like no one really knows. Like, I'm like, no, like she, she went to JMU guys. Like she's Debbie Davey. Why are we not, why are we not using this as like, she needs to like all of the knowledge you have. I was like, this is great. Let's do it. It is. It is funny you said that because I've been like, think there are times where like, sometimes I'll be like, wait, why am I like, why don't I reach what, what I don't do things at JMU. I, I, I'm on, um, I reached out randomly like two years ago to Canny Campbell. And I was like, I just want to be more involved. And I ended up, you know, I think guess a year ago, I'm on the women for Madison, um, you know, executive council, but it was the same thing. I was like, I just want to give back. Like I, I was feeling that a little bit more over the past couple of years. So it's the same thing. Like I, I do the same thing. I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't want to bother anybody. <laughs> well, what, we, what we should do, we got to get you connected with our, um, women in sport and recreation management student organization um and uh obviously we have a we have a couple of other organizations we have a uh, honors fraternity that just started recently as well so we've got these student groups who are making movement and doing great things and so uh, we'll get you connected with all those i would love it i would love it we've we've hired quite a few jmu grads here so <laughs> yeah that's and that's what we're looking for right that's we want to we want to develop these tight partnerships that allow uh, our students to to be exposed to people like yourself. And so that's uh, uh, sort of an underlying tone for our podcast. 
we did like women in sports like how do you see like what are what are your biggest challenges because you are in a very male-dominated one position but two just in general like there are more males in this industry than females and when I went to NACTA in 2019 um they had like statistics like they did like the statistics and would put it up and it was like 60 40 male female and I was like wow there's actually that many females here and it was like and everyone's like that's the highest we've had of females a 10 and I'm like crap but like it's, it was almost like we were even it was like we're almost there so like with that said it's like the question the question um it's you know, for me, um, I have never thought about it a ton, probably until I got into this role. Um, I did my job. I kept my head down. I know I shouldn't say I kept my head down. I didn't keep my head down, actually. I did my job. Um, I, you know, built relationships with people. I worked really hard. Um, and I, um, I feel like I, I'm an easygoing person. So I'm a sports girl, like I'm a junkie. And so I can have that conversation. I can, you know, I can be in the guys club, but you shouldn't have to be in the guys club. You shouldn't have to have those conversations in order. So I think sometimes you don't want, I don't want to say that because if you're not, you, you shouldn't have to change who you are. So for me, a lot of it is, it was natural, you know, and I mean, I can sit and I can drink a beer and I can sit and watch football. That's easy for me. That's not me faking it. That's what I do when I'm actually not working. My parents are like, this is what you do all day long. And then you go home and you watch more football. And I'm like, I know I love football. So it's not, it's not hard for me. But what I will say is the more and more you move up in leadership position is when I started to see my voice, was my voice being heard? Um, when I had a seat at the table, was that a real seat or was it just a seat? And if you said something, it was um, not listened to. Um, you know, a lot of that changed for me here. I, I, you know, I'll rave all day long about my boss. He's given me amazing opportunities, but I've worked for some people who have, who it, were great to me, but I don't think I realized that I wasn't getting opportunities. And whether you want to say it was because I was a woman or I don't know, but there were conferences I, could, I wasn't able to go. There were meetings, I, I didn't go to the meetings. There were dinners, I wasn't invited to the dinners. There was golf, I wasn't invited to golf. So um, you could say it was because I'm a woman, you know, you could say not. But um, here, I think um, one, it's, it, it, part of it is who, who you work for. I mean, let, let, call a spade a spade. Um, there are people who build better, really, you know, there are men who work, want to hear from men and want to listen to men. Um, I am not shy. I am probably... I, I have a voice. Um, I'm going to use it. So I'm not going to work somewhere um, where, where I don't feel valued. Um, I can say that now in my career. I think as you're moving up, you have to figure that out. You know, in my 25 to 35, could I, would I tell you that? No. Um, have I worked for some people that maybe now that I wouldn't work for? Yeah. But um, I think some of that is figuring out who you are and who what you stand for. Um, and then when you figure that out, then it's, okay, well, how do I assert myself? How do I respectfully do this? How do I get them to listen to me? And I, honestly, I'll be honest, a lot of it is about showing value. I, I think that it's, it, you need to be valuable. Um, there are tons of places and tons of stats that say women have to work twice as hard as men and you get the same, maybe you get the same pay if you're lucky um, or you get the same you know, accolades or, or rewards. So I do think that um, this industry is tough. You know, 
Um, but I really think it's important to find good people, to find good women. Um, you know, that's something that I'll say that I did, I haven't had around me is, you know, other women that you can talk to, to find out like, okay, is this just, how do I handle this? What, what's, what's another way that I can go about this? But then also we need men too. Like there, I'm not, there's no part of me that's sitting here and they're like, well, women, we're going to run this world and we're going to do it. No, no, no. We need support. We need people who have our back. We need people who are going to advocate for us. Um, I'm effective in my job because of, in, in my opinion, because of how I do my job, but I'm also effective in my job is that my boss knows if, when I talk to our football, I oversee football, which again, my boss gave that to me as a woman for a reason. He said, if you want to be an AD, they're going to tell you, you don't have any football experience. Guess what? You're going to supervise football. You're going to oversee football. You're going to hire a football coach. You're going to have football experience. So that's somebody who's building up women, who's supporting women. Um, but here, my football coach doesn't call me. And if I say no, he he calls the AD. He knows if I'm saying no, that the AD is going to back me up. And so that's important. You know, I think that, um, you know, that's, it's really hard to do when that's not going to happen. It's really hard as a male or a woman, you know, if you're in a position in, of leadership, but somebody is above you and, and they're going to undercut you. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a woman, male or female, you know, it's not going to work. So I think it's about figuring out your balance. I think it's about using your voice, um, but also using it respectfully. You know, I think that, um, you know, there, there's a way to do it and there's a way not to. You shouldn't be embarrassing your boss in front of other people. You don't need to have tough conversations in front of other people. They're private, respectful things and ways that you can do things. And I think if, if, if you're looking for things to change, that, that's the way to get it done. You know, Colleen, the, uh, in the classroom, and I say this a lot in my, yes. to my students, um, if I needed 10 students right now to do something for our program and I put out a call, uh, nine of the 10 are going to be women. Uh, and since I've been here for the last 10 years at JMU and Ashley's included in that list, um, there are a handful of students uh, or former students that I could reach out to and know that whatever was needed, they're going to get it done and do it really well. And they're mostly women. And, but if we fast forward into industry personnel and people who are working in these decision-making positions historically, whether it's college athletics or professional sport or even recreation, it has such a male dominant feel to it. Um, when do you see that transition hopefully taking place where it's a little more equal in the working world compared to what it looks like in the, in the higher education world? So funny, I'm just like smiling over here. I'm like, don't say anything bad that's going to hurt you. <laughs> um, I think um, it's going to transition when there's more women in leadership positions. I, I, I think um, you, I, I will say in the past two years, um, there has been a significant, significant, maybe 10, 15, um, uh, <laughs> change in hiring women. Um, and do I think some of that has come out of what has happened with you know, that's, and let's not talk, this is women, this is minorities, this is African-Americans, this is Latino, this is not just women. Um, yeah, a lot of that has come out of, you know, some good things have come out of, you know, some bad things that have happened over the past two years. And, and this social injustices that have been happening, I think people are, okay, let, let's, let's talk about this. Let's actually have a reality check in, in, in where we are today. Um, but, you know, I've always said this, I've always said this, I have a ton of friends in basketball, ton of friends in women's basketball why are there so many men head coaches? There's so many men's head coaches because male ADs 
don't know any women's basketball coaches and they hire their friends. So that's what happens. It's what they, the eighties hire football coaches, the eighties hire basketball coaches that they know. So for us, we need to get more women in the industry, in the, in the lower level, in the mid level. And, and I'll be, I'll be honest, it is challenging in our industry because of the work-life balance word. You can call it balance. I don't call it balance. I call it integration. Like we are looking for female head coaches in positions and most assistant coaches at not most, some assistant coaches are like, no, I don't want to take that step. I, I'm, I don't want to do it. I got a good job. I live close to my family. I'm, I have kids. I don't. So to me, I think part of it is getting people where you are and then pushing them a little bit. You know, my boss is even, it's, I want to be an AD. Um, but there are times where you're like, do I want to deal with the crap? Like maybe I'll just be a good number two. And that's what happens with women because we're trying to balance everything because we're trying to balance our life and my family and doing this and doing that. And so um, I think the more and more women you see in those leadership positions, the more and more moms you see, the more and more married people you see. Um, it, it's a vision for you to, when you don't see it, you don't believe it. You know, it's what we talk, it's what Don Staley preaches, you know. If you don't see it, you don't think that you can be it. So I think that it's changing a little bit. It, it is changing. Um, and and I think I'm going to be honest, some of it is that uh, for me, some of us just don't want to play the game. It's a, it, Some of it's a game as, as you climb that ladder. It is going to conferences. It is who do you know and schmoozing. And, and I want to do my job and do it really well. And I want you to call me. Like you talk about JMU. I'm not reaching out to JMU because I'm like, oh, but I probably should. I love JMU. I'm pretty good at my job. I probably should do that. But I'm like, that's all right. No, I don't need to worry about it. I don't need, we don't, we don't pump ourselves up. We don't, you know, so those are the things that I think we need to do better. And I think other people need to help because I think women don't do that naturally on their own. You know, they, they preach all the time, you know, if there's 10 things on a job, you know, men, if they say they can do two, they'll apply women. If they see they can do nine of the 10, they won't apply. Um, so I think it's getting more people in the industry. I will tell you, it, it is, it's funny. My boss says the same thing. He's like, I don't understand why people don't hire more women because you guys are the ones that get all the stuff done. Like he sees it. He knows it. We've got, I think we have four women on our senior staff and three males. And he's like, I know who I'm going to, you know, if I need something done quickly, organized, detailed. Um, so I do think it's shifting, but I, but I think it's a shift. I mean, you know, we just had this conversation. Miami, you know, is looking for a football coach and an AD. And the first thing they say is we need somebody with football experience. We need somebody who knows football. So it's the, it's, it's the mindset. Um, you know, you know, you don't have to have played football to understand football and to, to be able to, you know, run an athletics program. But I think that's shifting. I think it's more presidents, more women and presidents in roles, you know, more diversity at that president level, because those are, that's who, who's hiring these positions. So um, it is changing. It's slowly changing. Um, I'd like to see it a little bit faster, but I will tell you, you know, from where I was six years ago to where I am today, it, you, I feel like, okay, there, there, there are more women in power five positions. There are more women that, that are getting opportunities. So, um, that's at least positive. You touched on like with the sport, like coaching in sports and like more male domination. We, I did the grad program at JMU. And so we have a cohort message. And two of the guys that I went to grad school with, they were soccer coaches. One of them, we were all talking about the, we all text when like there's hot topics happening in sports. And I was like, all right. And it was like when the Raiders thing happened. And I was like, what do you guys think? And then I was like, or we can talk about the NWSL, like the whole scandal happening with that. 
And one of them had said, he was like, that's why I stopped coaching women's soccer. He was like, to give opportunity to more females to just be in that role. And so like now I'm just coaching like basketball and after school programs. They're all little boys, but they all love me. And I'm like, and like there was this one girl in the last program that we just had. And it was just one, one little girl. And I was like, I got to take her under my wing. She needs to know. She didn't come back for the winter program, but I was like, you know what? She started to learn how to shoot. She was more comfortable with herself. And I was like, that's all I needed is just the one. And you don't, I don't think, and it was hard because I was talking to the guy that like over supervised it. And he was like, I was like, she's not comfortable. I was like, she came to me and asked me if she could go to the bathroom and do these things. I was like, she wasn't okay coming to you and I was like that's just another thing of like they got it they need to see someone else like them do it like and that's uh, I was like he's like oh yes. I didn't notice that I was like I see it all the time but it's yeah and, and I mean it changes it changes their confidence as they grow everything I mean we're our own worst enemies yeah. I mean I I have a bunch of athletes 18 to 22 year old athletes who a female coach leaves and the first thing you meet with them and let's talk about what you want. Well, we want a man. We want a man to be our head coach. I mean, we're our worst enemies. I mean, because that's what we're used to because that's what we had in high school because that's what we had in middle school because there aren't moms that are coaching because you know what? They're dragging everybody around while the dads are coaching. So that's all they've ever seen. So, you know, we're, we're sometimes our own worst enemies. And that's where I think that, you know, we've got to, you know, we need moms to be coaching. We need, you know, moms to do some of, some of the other things too. And, and women to like you, like Ashley, like coach, because they have to see it at a younger age. They can't just see it the first time to have a first time, have a female head coach is, is when they're 18 years old in college. Yeah. Even from a parent's it, standpoint, when, uh, when I take my daughter to softball um, or even basketball, there's, it's mostly moms uh, sitting there. But when I take my son to a sporting uh, practice or training, it's all dads, you know? So it's, um, I, I think there's, that's just a cultural shift that, that is maybe hopefully is slowly happening, even at the parent level. Yeah. Yeah. You also talked about just like within the industry, having good people and good male, like, and having your voice be heard and seat at the table. And I think too, from just my experience, comparing it to yours, I mean, I was like, yep. I'm going to be second in command at a power five. Like that was like my, like got out of grad school, wanted to do it. I'm not there anymore right now. Mindset has shifted a little bit, but it came from my experience at JMU and having a GA and supervisor. They're like, no, you guys are going to sit at the table. Your GAs like just sit at the table. And they gave us the confidence we needed. And like, it was like, okay, like I can do this. I got this. But then getting my first job into the sports world, it was very much of like not getting invited, kind of being pushed to the side here and there, just like those sort of things where I was like, mm, I don't see it. And so it was hard. And I, me and another female worked together a lot and we were like, we're just not being heard. But then all of a sudden someone says it a different way. And it's like, oh, okay. Isn't that, isn't that the best? You're like, wait. I just uh -huh. said that exact same mm -hmm. thing. <laughs> yeah. So I like don't, I never want to tear away from that either. It's just like, well, like definitely make sure your voice is heard and a seat at the table for sure. And I think that's 
like just echoing what you're saying is like you got to have good people that want to get you there no matter what who they are what they are what they look like you just got to have good people you know i would also preach a little patience too um you know you talked about um your experience and i think that you have to be willing to maybe see if you can change it and if not be willing to go and go somewhere else like for me like i hate to hear you know that, that your first experience was that and then maybe that's what you're you're out of the industry or you don't you know i mean to me those are the things that are disheartening because that's not how it is everywhere and and it is it let's be honest like we're in a male dominated industry but there are a lot of women that work in this industry um and there are a lot of women um that have voices in this industry so it, i think that it's important for us to talk about the good things too because um there are always bad there are always going to be that in any job that you go to you're going to have those challenges so i think sometimes we have to figure out ways to teach young women how to deal with that and how and it's not always maybe your first job you can't confront them maybe your first year you, two years you can't say anything but it's about showing your effort it's about volunteering for other things it's about making them call you like for me that was always it i didn't think about it a ton but it was always like no, I'm going to make sure that they see me. No, oh, you need somebody to, yep, that's me. Yep, I'm going to make sure. Oh, you need somebody to work the clock? Yep, I'm going to do that. And then then it became, oh, well, Colleen's here. Oh, Colleen's, you know, so some of it's kind of inserting yourself a little bit too, um, if you can. To me, there's, there's um, what you're saying is almost like uh, um, ministry by being present. Um, in other words, like you're having to sell yourself and that you're qualified. And we've talked about this in my classroom as well, just that a lot of times men, young men, young professionals coming into our industry, students, they consider their knowledge of sport is going to be something that carries them. And it, that doesn't carry anybody in this sport uh, or in this industry. It's your work and your work ethic and what you can, what value. And as you mentioned, being valuable to where people need you or, or something that you can bring and add to the uh, add to the production in some way. Um, yeah, and I'll brag on Ashley with that too. You know, somebody who is present in some cases, just in the hallway or when there's a volunteering opportunity, she was one of the students who would always step forth and do that. And as I look back over my time in higher ed, I see students who, especially females, who were extremely successful, they were always fitting that mold that you just described always willing to step in, always present in the hallway, always just dropping in and saying hello, always volunteering for opportunities at big ones, like going on an experiential learning trip or small ones like, um, you know, cleaning the facility yeah. after, after the game. So. So with wrapping that up, just like this topic. You're going to wrap in it general, in a bow, Ashley? Um, <laughs> we're going to wrap it in a bow for this topic because I think I could go on. Probably should wrap it up. Um, but... <laughs> What would be your advice to the future females that are looking to get into the um, industry? I would say don't give up. You know, um, do, do what you love. If this is what you love, um, you can figure it out. You know, uh, you can figure it out whether it's at the school you're at, whether it's somewhere else. Um, and, and then I think it's really important to find a mentor, um, to find some leaders, to find some other females um, that you can uh, touch base with. And and for me, you know, I, I, I always say build those relationships. Um, I have promoted a ton of people um, that do not have the skills to do the job, but I know that they're going to figure it out because they work their butt off. 
So for me, I hire good people who work really hard. Um, and it, you know, there's certain things, obviously, like I said, business and certain things that you need specific backgrounds in, but there's other things, um, that, you know, uh, hard work and, and really loyalty is half, half the battle. So, um, I would say, um, keep doing what you're doing, pursuing what you're pursuing, um, and, you know, find some good people around you. Okay. Love that. <laughs> Can I go back now? No, I'm just kidding. Makes me want to like keep going. Um, Come on, Ashley. I'm close by. <laughs> I know. I know. I need to talk. <laughs> Coming back because you did say like this is your first year, like feeling like your deputy AD. There was a lot that happened with just Maryland athletics in general in the past three years. If anyone followed with that, um, and so too, just like you had a pandemic, we're still in it too. So like, what was that like? Just like through it and getting on almost, I guess, the other side of it now. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Some days I feel like we're through it. I'm, I've been sick of the dog for two weeks, and everyone's like, Have you taken your COVID test? And I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I have those. So, um, um, I, I'll be honest, it was you talk about, you know. Josh, you talk about this is something you, you can't train for, you can't teach, you can't learn. This was um, like nothing that we'd ever, you know, seen. Um, <laughs> our women's basketball team had just gotten home. We'd won the Big Ten Championship. Our men's team were at the conference tournament. Um, everything happened. Our women's team were going to get a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And I had to walk downstairs at practice. Coach knew it. I mean, coach knew it when I was walking down. Um, they were finishing practice and um, talked to coach and she was like, do you want to tell the team? And I got to look at this team of 12 ladies. You know, I think we had three seniors, um, who were going to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament that their season was done, that it was over. Um, that was tough. That was the first, that was the first tough thing. That was, that was really tough. And I'll be honest, we sat around a table, we had an epidemiologist come in and we're looking at them and we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll be back in two weeks. You know, we all went home. We all took our computers. They said a week or two. Yeah. Two years later, practically. Um, <laughs> uh, we, I don't think I ever worked so hard um, being at home. It, we had to come up with a return to play, a return to work. Uh, how are we going to do this safely? How are we going to test people when they come in the building? What are we going to, how are we going to take their temperatures? Do we have enough PPE? I don't even know what PPE was before this. I mean, the things that we did and you're sitting at your table or your desk in your house from nine in the morning till nine at night sometimes. And the goal changed that. I think that was the biggest thing is that it just kept changing is that you, for the first time ever, you didn't have an end point. You didn't have a, a, a road to follow. And so coming up with a pl plan and then something changes coming up with a plan and then, Oh, we're not going to play football. Oh, we're going to play football. We're not, you know, I, um, so, um, it was hard. It was, it was, it was very, very hard. Um, and for me, you know, I'm, I'm single and I work from home. I'll, all I did was work. So mentally, um, when you want to talk about like reality, when you want to talk about breaks or like, okay, I'm eating dinner at my kitchen table with my computer. Like when you talk about like life, it, it was not a good life. It was not a good like life to be lead, leading. Um, we quickly decided that when our athletes came back, in August, I think we let our football team come back that as far as the leadership team, the AD, myself, and some of our senior leadership team that we were going to be in the office. 
um, for at least three days a week. Um, campus wasn't back, but if they were going to be here, we were going to be here. If our football team was going to be here training, they needed to see that other people were going to be here. Our facility staff was here. Our athletic trainers were here. You know, we were going to be here. So that helped things, um, at least life and, you know, change some things. And, and I'll, I mean, the biggest thing that I'll say about this, which is really, I would say just kind of about college athletics is you have to be nimble. You have to be quick on your feet. You have to be, I feel like that's what I thrive on too. Like some of it's like, you give me a deadline. I'm going to probably start at the day before. Not really, but I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a, I'm going to get it done. I know I'm going to get it done, but you know, we like competition. We like challenges, but this was like nothing else that we'd ever seen, you know? Um, bringing back all 550. So we slowly eased into bringing our student athletes back and, you know, there were things that we missed on, you know, we didn't test kids a week before they came back for school, the second round of kids. And we had, I think we had 35 kids who tested positive because one came back with it. They all lived together and then they all got it. They weren't doing anything wrong. They weren't, you know, breaking the rules. So you know, and then, so when we came back with spring, we learned from that. We made sure that everyone tested at home and then tested the first day here in court, you know? So, I mean, but when you're talking about like, what, what I have, I think 12 to 15 work from return to work and return to play plans that we wrote. I mean, we're talking 30 to 50 pages of we, I mean, we came up with the testing for campus. Like we ran our testing we showed it to the president and other people and they're like, can we test campus that way? And we're like, yep, I guess we'll, we'll test. We'll figure out how to run. Campus. So, I mean, we were the Guinea pig for everybody, you know, athletics was the only one back. So, you know, and part of that, you take it as pride too. Okay. You know what? We're doing a good job. They're seeing that like, let's, let's, let's figure it out. So um, it was a lot for, I would say that for our facility staff, for our athletic trainings, I mean, it, it, it it's heavy, heavy, heavy. Um, weight where I think it got even worse was not worse, but it is what once we had, once we went to postseason and I was in the bubble with women's basketball and, you know, we had tested, I think at that point we had to test 20 days before postseason. You're going to the big 10 tournament. You've tested 20 straight days. You're going to Texas. You literally can walk outside and walk to the practice and walk back and your food is delivered to your door and you're in a hotel room by yourself and you've tested for 45 straight days. And you're like, what is happening? What world am I living in? You know, I was afraid to go, you know, now at that point, a lot of people were living in their bubbles, but I mean, I didn't see any of my family members because I didn't want to be the one that gave them anything, but I also didn't want them to give me anything Then I would give it to the student athlete. So the constant fear that our students were dealing with, like the mental health aspect, I think you know, I think we're seeing it now. We're seeing it now. But I think a lot of that was just because they were at home. And, but, but talking about like every day, am I going to test positive? Am I going to, the anxiety of that for a straight year, year and a half has been brutal. Um, this year, I feel like, you know, we're a vaccinated campus. So cheers for vaccines and health. Um, so we, it, you know, it, it makes a huge difference. You know, obviously, you know, we don't have to test daily. We don't have to do some of those things. We're, we're following CDC guidelines. We're, you know, testing for symptom, symptoms and things like that. So it's more normal. Um, obviously, we're wearing masks and things like that, you know, so it's as normal as you can get. Um, but, you know, we just had, you know, a couple of kids test positive. We've, we've had, I think, four or five vaccinated athletes, you know, test positive. So it's not gone. It's not away. 
you know, we're just obviously dealing to learn. We continue to deal, um, learn how to deal with it. You know, um, I would, I, I think what we've learned from this is that, um, I'm not sure it's ever going away. And so we just have, we're going to continue to have to adapt. And I think it's kind of our industry too. Now that we're in, we talk about college athletics and how it's changing. It, 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 it's that way on the mental health side, on the, on the regular health side, um, it's, we're in a different world right now. And so I think that you really got to be ready for things and be nimble and be um, willing to adapt to it. But I don't want to go back to that. Let's stick with where we are. Let's go forward. <laughs> Dude, uh, I mean, from a learning experience, I mean, uh, that's just, to me, that's what the, the hardest part probably, but then also like you, you have to be on your toes, like you're saying at all times. And um, I just think that this is one of the most unique time periods for people to get into the industry, but for someone like yourself who has been to multiple different places, now all of a sudden, uh, this is a completely different animal that, uh, that you never had to deal with, particularly with a finance background or, you know, negotiations, things like that. Um, if you're working in facilities or, um, or event management, possibly, but, uh, this is just so impactful for everyone. But what was your like turning point where you were like, yes, this is like it for me. Like I am gonna like sports is it. Like, this is what I want to do. What was your turning point? You would say, oh, I probably had two turning points. Um, uh, when I moved into athletics, um, I was thrilled. Like, you know, I was in recreation and I loved it, but <laughs> I knew that wasn't like the be all end all for me. Um, so getting that opportunity to move into athletics, I was like gung ho. And I was like, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. And then um, when I was at Towson, I was pretty burnt out. So what was that? Six, seven years ago, I was, I was, I was pretty much over it. I was like, I, I don't think I want to do business anymore. It's, it's, I'm so negative. We don't have, nobody has enough money. Um, I was really kind of struggling. I actually had looked the reason, long story, but the, I had looked at a different job at Maryland. It was not anything with to do with business. It was going to be, you know, more administration. I wanted to get out of business and I wanted to like maybe do something else. And um, I called the person at Maryland and she's like, no, no, you need to be in business. It's what you do, you know, and so I came to Maryland, did the transition in those first two years, um, between the big 10 and being new at, you know, power five institution, it, it, that, that, that was it. That was, that was tough. Um, and I think the turning point for me, my boss said something to me and we talk about it with women all the time. I, I need, and I know that I'm good at my job. I know that I am a skilled person. Other times where I'm like, uh, uh, yep, yep, I'm over this and maybe I want to do something different. But I was like, you know, I think maybe I was even talking to him. Maybe I want to get out of business. I want to. And he said something to me and he said, you know, if you ever want to be an athletic director, especially as a woman, he's like, you know, as a CFO, you have your hands in everything. Like, you know, everything about this athletic department. And I think it was the first time that I looked at myself and I was like, oh, dude, like, I, I, I actually. I think I could run this place. Like, I think that I could, I think I could do it. And I mean, I'm 43 years old right now. So I'm like 38 at this point. I've been working for 16 years. I've been promoted at every job I've ever gotten. I, I know that I have a good work ethic. I know, but I'm like, okay, four years ago is the first time that I was like, yep, I think I could run this. But seriously, I think 
it took somebody else telling me, I think you can run this stuff. I think, what are you talking about? And that's sad. That's sad. Let's talk about that. But I think it's, it's part of the problem. Sometimes as women, it's part of it. I, I don't have any confidence issues as far as me doing my job. Like I know who I am and what I can do. But as far as taking that next step, I mean, I'm even dealing with that right now with, I want to be an AD. And he's like, what are you even talking about? You're going to be an AD. You're a woman. And you need to, you need to go show all those men like that. Like, but sometimes somebody else needs to push you a little bit when men, you don't need to be pushed. You just go, you just go. So I think for me, um, part of it was probably finding myself, you know, feeling confident and comfortable enough to be like, why would I get out of this industry? I'm really, really good at what I do. And I knew that, but I think um, getting to the point, like confidence enough, like, you know, I've been at places where I'm like, ah, you know, when ADs leave and they get fired, you know, sometimes you get fired and I'm at the point now I'm like, let's go. If you, if you're in that position, that means you made it. Like if you're getting fired because you're high enough to get fired. That means you made it. So, you know, five years ago, I'd have been like, what am I going to do? And now I'm like, yeah, yeah I'll find something else. It'll be okay. <laughs> so I do think it's like, you know, I think my advice on that would be don't let it take that long. You know, I, you know, I, like, I, again, like, I don't want to make it seem, I don't know, it wasn't confidence, but it was kind of confidence in that next step for me, like confidence in, in really being like, okay, this is like, uh, like, why are we pretending that you want to do something else? Like, I love my job. I do. Um, so yeah, not that long ago. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> like you're speaking to me right now. No. <laughs> I'm trying like not to get really emotional right now. It's okay. <laughs> uh, Ashley, let's go for lunch. Come on. Let's... <laughs> uh, and you've had a lot of good like just points of like what you've learned from your past people you've like worked with, your mentors, people have, who have given you advice and kind of pushed you to that next level of just like, what's the mantra that you live by? It's funny. I saw that you said this and I was like, well, my, like my, my, I say it's joking, but it's not hard. My, my really my mantra is I work hard, work hard, play hard. Like I am like, I work my tail off, but I also like need a, like, I need a downtime. I, I we're about to go full 1000, um, into bowl season and it'll be nuts. And <clears throat> I have three flights booked cause I don't know which bowl we're going to, but I have a flight booked on the 28th, the 29th and 30th. Cause I am going to Florida after bowl season for five days. And that's what I'm doing. And I'm shutting it down and I'm going to Florida. So I, I to me, I, like you have to take care of yourself because this industry can really burn you out um, and it can get you. And I think too many of us for too long, um, people felt, oh, I can't take vacation. I So like, I joke that it's work hard, play hard, but really um, I, I try to find moments where I can take a rest. You know, I should say work hard, rest hard, but um you know, I, I, for me, my, my serenity is beach, you know, sitting on a beach and you know what, last year I'm writing coaches contracts, you know, for football, because that's when everybody gets fired or hired while I'm at the beach, but I'm doing it from nine to 11 in the morning. And then if you need me, I'll do it again at six o'clock at night when I, when I get back. So, um, and my other one was, I, I just think in this industry, you have to do what you love. So to me, if this is just a job for you, um, you probably aren't going to stay in it. You know, uh, there are plenty of young, especially young people right now who are coming out of the pandemic who are like, I don't want to work this hard or I don't want to work this many hours. And that's fine. Excuse me. Do I think that we need, we need to look at ourselves as an industry and talk about hours and talk about balance and talk about how many days you have to be in the office. 
but there are certain things that are just not going to change in this industry. There are games at night, there are games on the weekends, there are travel, like those things are not changing. So I think there has to be a give and take where, okay, yep. Can you work from home one or two days a week? But you know, can you come in at 11 o'clock or noon after you work till 10 or 11 o'clock the night before? Those are things that I think administrators we have to fix. But um, I think that a lot of young people are coming in this thinking it's so cool and thinking it's great. And, and they find out how hard it is and how much it is. Um, but that, sh- it, it, it balances out as you move up, but you just have to be able to get to that point because it, 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 it it's a lot. And so I, I think you have to love this um, if you want to do it. And I think if you do, um, you'll find a lot of joy in it. And I mean, that's, that's, I think the best part of this job, but for me, it's, you got to love what you do. Um, and if you do, you'll be great at it. Agreed. I agree. Just cause like what you're like with that, um, there, there, you could, you can love sports all day long. And it goes back to like the knowledge of it. You can love it all day long, but you also said, you're like, I love just you. It was almost like you love the chaos. And I was like, I love chaos. Throw me in it tomorrow and I can figure it out in a day. And people are like, what? And I'm like, that's sports. Like that's sports. It's not sitting here all day long, staring at a screen. It's like, "Mm, hey, I need to actually go to this. I have no idea what I'm getting myself into today. But like, if you don't love that, it's not, it's just not going to happen for you. So. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's not, not, not now, not nowadays with, with what's expected of you and you know, what's asked of you. And, and I, and I mean, I think it's different at every level. Like, let's be honest, you know, you've got lower levels, you got mid-major, you've got higher levels. And I mean, I'd argue we're, we're here with power fives. I mean, you're going to Michigan, Ohio state, and they have twice the staff that we have. So you know what? You might work eight to five every day except for events because they have double the staff that we have, but you don't normally get those jobs right away. You don't normally get to walk into a Michigan. You don't normally, you know, sometimes you're lucky enough to do it, but that's not normally how it happens. I think what, what you're, when you share your pathway and, um, and even your recognition that it was a very short time ago, that was your aha moment. This is where I belong. Um, That's important for our young professionals to hear because so many of our first year students come into our major and they want to be an athletic director. And so we have the heart to heart conversation of uh, that's a great long term goal, uh, but athletic directors aren't 22 fresh out with a bachelor's degree. So uh, we need to figure out the steps to get you there. Uh, and uh, so it's, it's refreshing to hear what your steps have been uh, to get you there and, and the, the, you know, the, the, the pathway still evolving too. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, for young professionals, you know, I think something else that, you know, we've got a lot of, I'm here for a year, where's my promotion, where's my next title, um, you know, and I, I don't want to brag on the young professionals, but we're, we're in a lot of give me this quick right now, um, and I will tell you, like, we talk about it all the time here, we do a slide, you know, for our all staff meeting, we put new hires, and then we put Terps and new roles, and we started doing that, because everybody was like, we don't, we don't promote anybody from within, we don't, nobody gets us. And I'm like, yeah, right. Like, yes, we do. Yes, we do. And we're going to show you. And every time you say we don't, I'm going to show you that slide at our all staff meeting. But what I'm telling you is good people. That's what we want to find. I'm, I'm an idiot. If now there are times, you know, at two of my jobs, both of my jobs that I ended up moving on, 
I was looking for something, but I also hit my ceiling. There was an SWA above me. There was a woman above me that I was never taking. She was never leaving. She was never moving. So guess what? If you want to live in the DMV and you only want to work at four schools, you might not ever move up. You might not ever move up. I feel like that is something else we don't talk about enough is that you don't get your perfect job. You don't get your perfect school right away. I mean, I went from Massachusetts to Florida to tout to Maryland, to Maryland twice, but to Alabama, from started with from Alabama. And I did that because I wanted to move up because I was ready for that next challenge. And I wasn't going to sit and whine about it at a school that I was at because I hit my ceiling. And what happens is if you've hit your ceiling at Maryland, I'm going to help you get the next job. I mean, I have two guys who are now senior associate ADs in business that I would have kept here, that I want to have my job after the next guy has it, but there wasn't a job for them. I promoted them twice here and then it was, there was nothing else for them. Yep. I'm going to go help you get your next job. So I do think some of that is patience, but good people are going to either promote you or they're going to help you find something else. So I think some of it is just, just realizing that it's not all necessarily going to happen in the first year. Or at the place you want. Very true. Very true. All right. Well, that is all. I appreciate your time. Um, and I loved having you on. I'll say that. I'm like fangirling a little bit. I was like, gosh, that's so exciting. Um, but like, I've just followed your career and like, I have watched you. And, and like, again, it goes back to just doing your own research and just like seeing what other women are doing in the industry in general. Um, in positions that you want so like i definitely appreciate you taking the time i know you're busy setting this side of time time for us so definitely appreciate it well i appreciate you following me you're one of the few ashley so i appreciate it any and like i said anything for my duke dog josh you know seriously i that is something that i think over the past couple of years too it's you know those those are those are important things so i'd love to connect um in any ways but um i appreciate you guys asking um this is really fun yeah, this has been a real treat. So thanks so much, Colleen. We really yeah, appreciate no you. Problem.